0: everybody, you're listening to Christ Fellowship based in Northeast Florida. We believe that we are broken by life, healed by His grace, and lifted together. Join us as we dive into God's Word together each week. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 1, as we continue our discussion on the vision of this church. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We started last week discussing the vision of this church and plain and simple. There are two things that have to do with almost every organization, every business, every religious meeting that you have. You have a mission and you have a vision. The mission anytime you go to a church is very simple. It is clearly stated. Jesus says it at the book of Matthew at the end of that in chapter 28, verse 20, where he says, Go into all the world, preaching them everything I've commanded, baptizing them and making disciples. That's the mission of the church. Non-negotiable. I don't care if you go to this church or another church or if you go to a church somewhere in another part of the world. The mission of the church is simply to preach the name of Jesus, everything that he has taught and then baptize and make disciples. Notice Jesus did not say in there save people. That's his part. All we do is we talk about Jesus. We tell about Jesus. We let Everybody know what he said. He comes in, does the salvation part, and then if they're saved, then we baptize and we make disciples. We've got nothing to do with the salvation part. Jesus reserves that for himself. He has us do the part leading up to it. He has the part taking care of it. After he's done that and he's in the whole mix of it, but he reserves for himself salvation when he saves people so that you and I don't get to go ahead and say, look how I helped this person and saved them. Look how is it. That's not how it works. So the mission Go into all the world, preaching, baptizing, making disciples. The vision of a church is conditional to each local body. This church is going to have a different vision than a church around the corner. This church is going to have a different vision than a mega church or a smaller church. This church, if it grows larger, is still going to have a consistent vision that is consistent with where we're starting now. And if we stay this size, it will remain as this vision for this church until God says otherwise. So the mission... Constant. Every church ought to be the same. Vision. How does the local body that you attend, that you are a part of, how does it relate to the community around you? You understand that we are not called necessarily to make sure that we are over in Africa or over in Saudi Arabia or over in China or down in Mexico or Venezuela or Canada or even in a state next door to us. You understand that our job first and foremost is to Nassau County is to Yuli, is to the surrounding area around us. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore the rest. Jesus said, go into all the world. I get that. But right before he left, when he said, you will receive power to be my witnesses, he gives a list of the order where you start. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. A lot of times we get so caught up with the ends of the earth, we forget the parts leading up to it. So let's go ahead and break that down real fast. Jerusalem, you want to know what Jerusalem is? That's your surrounding community. So Jesus says before you go anywhere else, start at home. In your surrounding community, Jerusalem. Now he says go to Judea. Judea is the greater area of where you live. So you can call that the state or you can even call that the country. Then he says Samaria. Now Samaria in that time was a place next door. He's not saying just go next door. All right, He said that when he said Judea. Jerusalem, local community, Judea, surrounding area next door, Samaria, people you don't like people that when they come to your mind that they have ticked you off so much that your first thought is, I just don't want to see them in heaven. God, I don't mind if they're there. Just keep them on the other side of glory. He says, go to the people you don't like. But you start out at home. Then you start out at the surrounding area. Then you can expand a little bit more. Then you go to the people you don't like that you would rather not be around and begin to tell them. Then you get to the ends of the earth. We forget a lot of times that God says, start here. And so the vision of this church is very simple, that in this community, in Nassau County, in Yulee, in Fernandina Beach, in Amelia Island, it is simply this. Broken by life, healed by his grace, lifted together. And we're going to get to how all of that relates to Isaiah 61 in just a second. But we started out last week, broken by life. The base assumption of this church That doesn't make this church better, that doesn't make it worse. That doesn't make this church more important, that doesn't make it less important. Just that in this church, if you attend here, if this is your home, what God has called us to do is that every time someone walks through those doors, we understand that they are miserably, horribly wounded by life. Christian or non-Christian, christian dead in sin or alive in Christ, whether you're sitting in the congregation or you're preaching, whether you're out there lifting your hands and singing or whether you're on stage playing an instrument, regardless of where you are at, because you had to cross the threshold of those doors to come into this church, every single person, so you understand I'm including me in that, right? You understand this is not like, well, I'm the preacher, so I've gotten a little bit better, so I'm doing a little bit better than the rest of you. That's why I'm the preacher. That's not how that works. It is that every person who walks through the door is so so wounded, so broken, so injured by life that they are in a place of absolute desperation. Well, preacher, I'm a Christian. I thought that when I'm a Christian, all things are made new. I thought that when I get saved, I get redeemed. I thought that when I was saved, then Jesus begins to set everything right. Correct. He does begin to set everything right. In fact, he cannot begin to set everything correct in your life to begin to heal you until you are saved. But here's a question for you. After you were saved, did you still sin? Everybody just got perfect all of a sudden. We got saved, and now all of a sudden we stopped doing bad things. Just be married. You'll know that your spouse will let you know you're still messed up. Just be a child. You'll know that your parents will let you know you're still messed up. Just be a parent. Your, or just be a parent. Your kids will let you know that you're still messed up. All you have to do is be around people. That's why this whole thing is not about, well, I'm a good person, and that's a bad person. Well, I'm a moral person, and they're not a moral person. It's about dead or alive. That's why we can have awful people still go to heaven because they're alive in Christ. All it means is that they've just got a little bit more to go before God does anything. And by the way, when we say a little bit more to go, we're really measuring by us. They don't have a little bit more to go. It just looks to us like they've got a little bit more to go. They might be struggling with something that we can see a little bit easier like alcohol or drugs or bitterness or anger or rage. And it's easy for us to see, well, they are really messed up. God's just got to go ahead and help them out. And he's got to really do a work in them. And all the while, we're just internally never talking to anybody, receding from everybody, trying to isolate ourselves. You understand that all that is is a coping mechanism to make it through life without feeling pain? Every single person in here copes with pain one way or the other. The ideal is that I would cope with pain by running to the Father. But life is so abusive. Life is so difficult that many times what ends up happening is the relentless abuse of life comes at us that we develop coping mechanisms other than God to try and limp through life. And we just say, well, I'm doing fine while we plaster on a smile on our face and we feel dead inside. Everything's going all right. You want to know what my favorite coping mechanism was? Mind that I actually personally lived with my coping mechanism you've heard me talk about a lot of stuff I've talked about being addicted to pornography I've talked about suicide none of that was my coping mechanism that was all just symptoms of how I coped I coped by making sure I felt nothing couldn't feel happiness couldn't feel sadness couldn't feel anger couldn't feel anything I just killed everything inside to make sure that I couldn't feel you want to know why because if you're happy about something what happens when it goes away Then you fall. And so life taught me that the happier I was about something, when that thing went away, it was a greater fall, meaning greater pain. And so what I just decided is, well, I'll feel no happiness. This way I don't feel any pain. And if I never get excited about anything, then I'll never be disappointed about anything. And then what ends up happening is when you stop feeling inside, the body, the soul, and the spirit try and experience things the other way, and it starts running to think, how do I begin to feel something? And that's how you start ending up at suicide, even though you feel nothing. I'm looking for something to escape from this deadness. That's how you start running to pornography. looking for something to at least give an adrenaline. That's how you find yourself at alcohol. That's how you find yourself always angry on the road when you're driving. Everyone has a coping mechanism. Overeating, talking about people behind their back, lying, stealing, cheating, gossiping. Whatever it is, everyone has a coping mechanism. You know how I know? Because you walked through the door. Broken by life. There's a reason Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news. You want to know why you need good news? Because everything else has been bad. Nobody cares about good news when everything is good. Listen, if you go up to Jeff Bezos right now and you knock on his door and say, Mr. Bezos, I'm so excited to tell you that I just won the lottery. It was for $10 billion and I'm here to give it to you right now. He's going to take that, put it in his pocket and walk away without another thought. You want to know why? Because the man is worth trillions. What his, his company just generates, it's like he prints money. You look at him, I've got so much money for you. He just takes it and puts it in his pocket. That's not a bit, but if I came to your house, Dan, I just want you to know, I just won the jackpot lottery, whatever that is. It's a million dollars. Now, that's not even as much as 10 billion, but I won a million dollars. If I give that to you, you want to know how excited he's going to be? He's going to be going and paying off that house. We'll never see him again. He now owns a place in Costa Rica on the shore. He feels suddenly called to a mission field down there. He is so excited. No one cares about good news when everything's good. The reality is is that life has injured us so greatly and we like to pretend and it has it, that we've gotten stronger from it, that we can just make it through. It really, no, we've just kind of killed things inside to deaden it so we can cope with the reality so that maybe somehow we don't feel pain anymore. Every single person that walks through those doors has been so broken by life that they are so deeply injured that they are in need of the good news of a Savior. That they're in need of the healing of a Savior. That they're in need of the comfort of a Savior. That they are in need of all things that Jesus comes and promises. You ever remember that scripture where it says he will be called wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father. Every single one of those things applies to my need that I have now when he comes into my life. So please do not misunderstand. Just because you're a Christian, just because maybe God has healed you of some of the things that you've got going on in your life that were so broken, just because God has touched those parts of your life and now they are whole again does not mean he's done healing you. It would be a pretty miserable life if that were the case. Is anybody okay with where they're at right now? I don't mean content. Content is, hey, this is all right, but I'd like a little bit more. Content's fine. I mean, if God never did anything for you ever again. If God just left you how you are, got a lot of good in your life, but you can still notice all the miserable that's buried deep down that you wish wasn't there. All the things about you that you hope nobody ever finds out about. All the things about you that you wish you didn't even know about yourself. If God just left those with you for the rest of eternity, would you be okay with that? I wouldn't. See, the problem is we get okay with, God, I guess I'm just this broken until I get God does not want to leave you how you are. And that is not to say you're an awful person. That is not to say you're a bad person. That is not to say you're a terrible person. That is to say you are broken, that I am broken. Has anybody ever gone up to someone with a cast and looked at them and say, I don't understand why you still have a broken leg. Get over it. Get up, start, what what a terrible person you are that you have a broken leg. I cannot believe you still have, it has been four months, aren't you better yet? How long are we going to have to sit here with this broken leg until you're better? And yet we do that to each other when it comes to the spiritual. How long are you just going to be depressed? Why aren't you better yet? How long are you going to be, why aren't you better? The reality is, is that God heals in his own time, which brings us to our second part, healed by his grace. So let's go ahead and understand where we're at. Broken by life, every single person that walks through that door or that door or that door into this church, our base reality is that we have been so wounded by life that it would have taken us out and destroyed us were it not for the grace of God. Now we come to this next part, healed by his grace. Now, Jesus reads this verse later on in the book of Luke. Isaiah prophesies it. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, good news to the poor, to the septicap free, and on and on. And Jesus now, one day in church, or the synagogue as they would call it back then, he comes up and he begins to read and he reads that exact verse. And right after he says it, he says, today, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, here's my question. God come to anybody in here and said, My spirit is upon you to preach good news, to proclaim liberty, to heal the sick, to set the captive free? Notice the question. I did not say, did God send you out? I said, did God say specifically to you, my spirit is upon you? Because the answer is no. Now, that doesn't mean we sit around and do nothing, but stick with me for a little bit. There's a reason why the second part that we have in our vision is healed by his grace, because you and I can't heal people. We get this idea that when we see people who are broken and wounded around us, that somehow we've got to be the right person in their life, that somehow we've got to make sure we say the right things, that somehow we've got to be there for them to make sure that they get the best opportunity, that somehow if we're not there, then everything falls apart. If we don't do the right thing, then they will never experience healing. You understand that that is arrogant and deifying yourself? Because God did not call you to be the healer. We might be the people that God uses as his instruments of healing, but there's nowhere in a medical room where a scalpel suddenly starts talking and looks at a heart that is being opened and then replaced as they do open heart surgery, and all of a sudden the scalpel looks at the doctor holding him or her and just begins to say, hey, didn't I do a good job today? First of all, if a scalpel starts talking to you, we've got some different problems we need to send you to the psych ward up a couple floors. But didn't, didn't I just do a good job today? How would it be if the syringe that the doctor has to put in, when they put the anesthesia in it, what a difficult word, how do I say that? Anesthetist, the nurse anesthetist, is that what it said, is that what they do? I don't know how the, thank you, Pat. Someone was helping me out while I just stumble over my words in a terrible tongue. As they put anesthesia in you to knock you out, and the nurse or the doctor, whoever it is that's doing, the anesthesiologist or the nurse that works specifically with anesthesia, I'm really out of my element in the medical field right now. I wish Christina were preaching. She's a nurse. But whichever one of them is putting that in, they're the one that has to determine how much of this item I am putting into their body. Then they've got to make sure that as they get ready to inject it, there's no bubbles in there, because if you get a bubble in your vein, you are dead. And so they're doing all of these things to make sure that as they inject that into you, as you go under, that you don't die. And yet the syringe looks at the nurse or the doctor and says, didn't I do a good job today? Now listen, the nurse or the doctor is not going to just go ahead and and scoop up a liquid of whatever that anesthesia is and just slap it on the face of the patient and say, "All right, you're under. They they, They use the syringe so they can get it in, but without Without the medical professional going over there, picking it up, filling it up, and then injecting it, please don't misunderstand. We're not the doctor in the room. We're, we're the scalpel that gets picked up. We're, we're whatever those things are that hold open the chest and clips there as they, they just hold it open so the doctor can get inside and begin to open things. All we are is the instruments that God uses to heal people to provide for people to touch people's hearts to begin to make them whole again we are not the healers. It's healed by His grace. Not healed by my brilliance of preaching. Not healed by the anointing that might lay on someone when they go ahead and heal. I remember one time I had a friend in college and she wasn't doing well. She had this debilitating disease. I really should have paid attention more to what the disease was. She was born with it and it just caused her pain intermittently throughout her life. And she was just having a terrible time this one night when we were all hanging out and having a good time. I don't even remember what we were doing, but she is just on the couch in pain. She's trying to hold it in, not be too loud and I just looked at her and then I looked at my friends and said we're gonna pray real fast I was with a bunch of Christian friends thankfully it wasn't just me by myself and I said we're gonna pray over her that God is going to heal her and we're going to see God reduce this pain or take it entirely away and we are going to see the miraculous happen so we all gather around and I start leading prayer and we're praying and I lay my hands on her and when we're done she feels no pain anymore that's pretty cool she goes to the doctor for her regular checkup that she has to do for this thing. And the doctor says, I don't know what's going on, but we can't find what was in you anymore that was causing this pain that was something that we can't get rid of. We didn't have a way to cut it out. We didn't have a way to attack it. It's just gone. Now I'm getting a call from her and her mother saying, oh my goodness, she's been healed. This is fantastic. They weren't thanking me. They weren't praising me. They were giving me testimony because I got to be a part of what God did. I had another friend there that night who has something else. He would always get migraines. And he had one that crippled him one day, and he came to me the next day, and he says, I had a terrible migraine one yesterday. And I said, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't. I was probably very loud, as I have a tendency to be. I didn't mean to just make things. He's like, that's not my issue. And I said, I had a migraine, and you, the healer, weren't there. Now, listen, I understand God gives some people a specific anointing where he says, I'm going to use you consistently to miraculously heal people. That's fine. But what my friend said is you, the healer, weren't there. I had to look at him and say, you don't understand. I'm not the healer. The healer was with you. You just assumed that because I was the one that God used at that moment, that that was the only way to receive something that you needed from the Father. The reality was is that he didn't need me there for his healing. What he needed was the actual healer to manifest his presence where he was at and begin to minister to his body and his mind however he decided. You and I are not the healer. You and I are not the grace. You and I are not the provision. You and I are not the satisfaction. You and I are not the remediation. You and I are not the mitigation. We are nothing more than tools in the hand of the healer. His grace. I can't even get you cereal off the top shelf at Publix. And you expect me to deal with whatever mess you are. And I expect you to deal whatever mess I am. Oh, if I would have just had Arnold pray over me. Now I would agree that Arnold knows the Bible way better than I. You wonder how I know? Because the man writes down the entire chapter before he goes to preach it. That's why he won't preach for me because he needs six months to write out the entire book before he decides to preach it. And I look at him and was like, you are a loon. I don't even understand how you do that. That man is in the word. That thing is in him. I would agree that he knows that thing inside out better than I do possibly better than I ever will. However, Arnold is not who I need to speak scripture over my life when something is needed by the Father. Arnold's not the one I need to come pray over me. I understand I had him and Mary Lee come up here to pray over you today, but they were to be instruments at that moment that God decided to use. It is not that without Arnold, I don't get what I need from God. It is that as long as God is available and the instruments that he decides to use to minister to me are available, then I'm going to receive whatever it is, I am in need for my healing. And please don't misunderstand. We're not just talking about broken limbs. We're not talking about head problems. We're not just talking about if you've got a rash on your body or if you've got cancer in your body. And I still believe that God can miraculously heal all of those things. But I want to go a little bit deeper. Yes, I know cancer is debilitating. Yes, I know diseases are debilitating. But I'm talking about the fact that you might have had an angry mother and she had an angry mother and she had an angry mother. And now for some reason, no matter what you do, you're just always an angry person. I'm talking about the fact that you. You feel like you're addicted to alcohol, even though you've never touched the stuff because you had a dad who was an alcoholic and his dad was an alcoholic. I'm talking about how God can step into the depths of generations and begin to heal and restore you more than you could have thought imaginable as long as He's the healer. Well, I got to be in church if I want to receive something from God. Since when? Well, I got to make sure I read my Bible if I want to receive something from God. Since when? Well, I better make sure I fast so that I can get something from God so that I can manipulate him. Well, I gotta make sure that I find someone more spiritual than me so that they can pray over me and they can, listen, there's nothing wrong with any of the things I said. In fact, you better do all the things I said. You better be in church. Why? Because we need each other. You better read your Bible. Why? Because it's God explicitly talking. You better pray. Why? Because if you're not praying, you're not having a conversation with the Father. You better call people that you know who can pray for you when you feel so messed up by life that you don't even know how to pray for yourself. But do not mistake the tool for the tool physician instrument healer conduit provider I thought about saying meat sack but that doesn't really get across what I was trying to get just dumps into me. Hey, that person needs money. He just dumps cash into me. Oh, thank you for all this cash, God. No, no, no. I didn't give you the cash for you. I gave it to you for them. But I want the cash. I didn't give you the cash for you. I gave it to you for them because they need something for me. What about my bills, God? Don't worry about your bills. Right now, I'm giving you so you can give to them. Well, God, if you want to give to them, give it to them yourself. I'm using you as the instrument to give to them to take. And in there, really, what have I done other than just be used by God? His grace. There's nothing special about this building. There's nothing more special about you or more special about me. Now, please don't understand. I said more special. Every single one of us in here is so beloved by the Father that God can sincerely look at you and no one else and say, you are my favorite. You want you understand what I'm saying. He can look at you as an individual and say, you are my absolute favorite, and yet he's not lying when he then looks at me and says, I am his absolute favorite. I'm, no one in here is more special or less special. This church is not more special or less spe- it, it simply is. And however God decides to use it, The reason most people don't experience what they need from God is because we forget it's his grace. Let's talk about Christians for just a little bit. Let's not even worry about the lost, just for a little bit. Let's not worry about those dead. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about how messed up we are. And keep something in mind. You will be messed up until the day you cross into glory. Until you stand in heaven before the throne, he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into eternal life. You and I will be so broken by this life. The difference is how much healing do you want to experience before you get there? We end up thinking, well, God, if I, if I need you to restore my marriage, then I'm going to have to be a better Christian. God, if I need you to deal with the mental disorder that I have going on, then I'm going to need to be a better Christian. God, if I, if I want to experience blessing in my job so that I can actually pay my bills on time instead of always feeling stressed out, I'm just going to have to be a better Christian. God, if I, if I want to be closer to my friends, if I want my parents to love me more, if I want my children to love me more, I just need to be a better Christian. You understand I'm talking to wounds that most people have in their lives. We have this idea, God, if I could just be a better Christian, then I would go ahead and experience your healing. If I could just be a better Christian, then I would experience... Has anybody ever, when they've gone to a doctor, been asked by the doctor, are you a good person? You want to know the only thing the doctor cares about? How are you paying? What's your insurance? How are you going to cover the cost today? You want to know the only thing Jesus cares about when you come to him for healing? How are you paying? And then I just look at him and I say, you already paid it. Where's your insurance? With your blood on the cross. Who's got the bill covered? You got the bill covered. How you paying? Jesus, you already paid. It's not about, did I read my Bible enough today? Then I'll get healing. It's, It's not about, did I pray enough today, then I'll get healing. It's not about was I a good person enough, then I'll get healing because that's not how grace works. Grace is given whether you're a good person or you're a bad person, whether you've had a good day as a Christian or a bad day as a Christian because the definition of grace is that it is unearnable which means if it can't be earned, it also cannot be disowned. The only thing that can happen with it is either you can accept it or reject it. There's nothing else about it. And so when God says I want to heal you, it's not were you a good person. It's not did you make sure to go to church. It's not did you make sure to tithe. It's not, did you make sure to read your Bible? It's not, did you pray enough today? It's not, did you fast this week? It's not about all of it. It's about God saying, I have and I want you to receive so that you can then be whole. Now, the reality is, is that when that happens, all the things I just mentioned follow suit. When you experience the grace of God, you want to know what you want to do? God, I want more. Well, how do I get more? You got to get to know him better. How do I get to know him better? You got to read your Bible. See, we think the Bible is the thing that makes him give us more uh, of what he has. That's not the case. The Bible is what lets me get to know more of who he is. And the more I get to know of him, the more I understand how he works. The more I understand how he works, the more I do things that he likes. The more I do things that he likes, the easier it is for me to hear him. It's not about God just goes ahead and shuts up and ignores me and sets me off to the side if I don't know him well enough. It's that I don't hear him well enough because I'm unfamiliar with how he works, with how he sounds. So when I'm lacking healing in my life, it's not because I've been a bad Christian. It's because I'm not hearing well. Now keep in mind, I realize this is where we start getting confused because we think, well, if I got to hear better, then I got to read the word more and that will make me better. And Do not misunderstand motivation. I can give you a $1,000, and someone else can give you $1,000. I give you the $1,000 because I want you to feel indebted to me. Wasn't I such a good person? Didn't I just give you something you needed, and you needed it right at that moment? Someone else might give you a $1,000 just for the simple case, like I just want you to have this for no other reason than I would like you to have it. You got the same thing, but the motivation was completely different. Listen, when you go to God, when you read the word, when you pray, it's about the motivation. God, I just want to know you better. His grace. You cannot do enough to be healed. Preacher, why does it feel like my healing's taken so long? Let's go back to the broken leg. Why are you taking so long? Why is your leg still in a cast? It's been three months. Why is it still in a cast? It's been nine months. Why aren't you back to running like you used to? It's been a year. I can't believe you're still in physical therapy, recovering from that. Has anybody ever heard that? If for no other reason, if you have heard that before, people are usually just surprised. Honestly, I thought you would have healed faster. It's okay that it's taken longer. I'm just surprised that it's taking a while. That's usually what ends up happening. Man, you must have gotten really injured if you're still in physical therapy. Usually it's not, I can't believe you messed up this bad. It's usually one of compassion. I didn't realize how bad this was. Blanky, maybe we can just help you out longer. And yet when it comes to God, we're like, God, why am I not healed now? Right? Now, listen, can God do it? Now, yes, he can. God is a God of now. God likes to do things now. But when it comes to your healing, I don't understand why God likes to do. And then there's us in the back trying to push God along. Can we go a little faster, God? Is there any? And he's like, nope, this speed. And then we're just running behind him like a child look like Judah who stands behind me sometimes when he's trying to get me to move. And he's in a full runner stance just trying to shove me. And I just stand there and look at him and was like, we're not going this far yet. God, can't we just hurry this up? And he's like, no, I can't. God, why is it the depression or the bipolar just isn't getting all better right now? It feels like it's only getting a little. God, why is it that the emptiness inside of me, even though I've been saved, doesn't seem like it's all filling up right now? God, why does it feel like the relationship? It's gotten a little better, but it's not getting to where I know it should be. It feels like it's just taking, God, why is it taking so long? Because healing takes time. I wish God did everything immediate. You want to know the only times I've seen God do things instantaneously? The only times, and I would argue you will be hard pressed in the Word of God to find something contrary to this. The only times that I have consistently seen God do things in the immediate is because it's in the way of the real healing He wants to get to. Remember the blind guy on the side of the road? Son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind. Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want? What, what do I want? Are you blind too, Jesus? I don't have my sight. I want to see. What do you want? I want my sight. And in those days, if you were blind, you want to know what you did? You sat there on the side of the road, begging with your little cup. And since he was on the way to Jericho, Jericho was a nice gambling city. Good roulette, good blackjack, good slot machines. I don't know how that worked back then. So what would happen is those gamblers would take their money They'd rub it on the eye of the blind person for luck. Then they'd go in, they'd gamble, and if they won, they'd come back out and share some little of the winnings with the person that gave them luck as they just rubbed it on their eyes. Now that's how he made a living by being a rabbit's foot for some gamblers by being a lucky charm horseshoe for gamblers. That's how he made a living. You understand that the minute that blindness was taken away, he was going to have to go and get a job, figure out how to live his life, how to work through life, how to make sure that he could provide for himself at this point. Jesus took care of the... But he was going to have to walk through the rest of it slowly with the, the Father. He took care of the thing that was in the way of being whole. When God does something immediate in your life, As wonderful as it is, praise him as much as you want. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Shout it. Do whatever you want. Run the aisles. Give people high fives. Tell people about it all over Facebook. Testify about the goodness of God. I don't care what you do. When God does something immediate, it is worthy of praise and celebration. Keep in mind, that's just the beginning. Has anybody ever gone to the doctor and the doctor tells you? Well, you've got a broken leg. We're going to have to fix it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I know what's wrong. Now I'm just going to go about my life with a broken leg for the rest of my life. It's kind of what we do with God. God, thank you for telling me what's wrong. I'll just kind of limp. This is how I used to walk when I hurt my Achilles tendon. You remember that? I walked like a zombie. I think was just dead there. No, it took time. And it hurt a lot. Just because the healing's taken a while doesn't mean he's not giving you grace to be healed. His grace. Now let's talk about the lost. If it's his grace and not what I do, then that means when they don't get healed, it's not my fault. That's between them and God. Do you know why I brought up the fact that you and I are not to save people at the beginning? Because when we tell people about Jesus and we don't see them get saved, we have a tendency to bear guilt and shame about that. As though I was the one who could save them. If I would have just said things a little bit better, maybe they'd be saved. If I would have just shown up a little bit earlier, maybe they'd be. There is nothing you can do to save someone. Now, I'm not talking about mourning the fact that they are away from God. That's one thing. But most of us have a tendency when we see someone who is not walking with Christ and we have witnessed to them, we have a tendency to feel as though there's something wrong with us, that we've done something wrong, as though they would somehow be saved if we could just be better. That's not how this works. And keep something in mind. The healing is the exact same way. When someone is not healed, it's not because I am insufficient. It's not because I am broken. It's not because I did something wrong. It is simply because that's God's realm. All I can be is the tool that he uses at the time to expand on how he wants to heal people. So when someone comes to you in such brokenness, and it just seems as though they're not getting healed, keep something in mind. You weren't the healer to begin with. Don't beat yourself up. You don't ever see a scalpel in a therapist's office sitting there. I just can't believe that the person died on the operating table. If only I had been a sharper scalpel. Chainsaw maybe, I guess. It's not. Listen, if you were the healer, then God would have to share his glory with you. And he's not very good at sharing. He keeps for him what's his and his alone. Everyone's so wounded by life. So wounded that they are in desperate need of a healer. Whether that healing comes in financial provision, whether that healing comes in the ability to no longer self hate, whether that healing comes in the ability to no longer talk about people behind their back, or to stop overeating, or to stop drinking alcohol, or to stop feeling so internally dead, whatever it is, everybody is in need of healing somewhere. But it's Him that does it. Preacher, if that's the case, then what's the point of me? Technically, God does not need you. It's plain and simple. Technically, God does not need you. God does not need me. He can do all of this on his own. However, while he doesn't share his glory with us, he does like to share the benefits of his glory with us. And so oftentimes what ends up happening is God says, I want you to go in and begin to talk to that person and diagnose and begin to extract what it is that's broken inside of them. So not only do we have to be the tool that God uses on the operating table when he's healing people, now we get to be the intake nurse or we spend time with people or we ask what's wrong. Or we go over with them and we sit with them in their brokenness and we say, what's going on? How can I be here for you? How can I simply listen? How can I point you? And then at the end of all of that, then we get to say, did you know that there's someone who can handle this? So now we're the instrument of healing. Now we're the intake nurse. Then we get to be the testimonial on Yelp. Where they say, What do you mean? I can't have help with this. There's no way. And then we get to start giving this five star review. You don't understand. Let me tell you about how broken I was. There was this thing in my life. There was this thing in my life. And this is what God did for me. And this is how He made me whole. I've still got a lot of distance to go. I'm not perfect yet. But man, this part in my life that I thought was never going to be better. And then we can start scrolling through all the other Yelp reviews. Let me tell you about my friend who had this problem and they're now whole. Let me tell you about this friend who had this problem and now they're whole. Let me tell you about this person that they knew. I don't know them, but I trust them because they're pretty truthful with me. And they have this friend that went through. You want to you know what your job is? Just be. Wherever you're at, just be. If there's no one around you broken, rest. If God brings someone broken into your life, you're going to have to figure out, God, am I a scalpel right now? Am I an intake nurse or am I a Yelp review? Just just be. You want to know why it's so important that you just simply are? Why it's so important that I just simply am? Because at some point in my life, I'm going to be the one on the operating table. I'm going to be the one who's in need of the healing. And if I'm too busy running around trying to heal everybody myself, When God is finally wanting to deal with something in me, I'm too busy in my brokenness running around trying to fix everybody else. I come back to this. There will never be a time until you enter into eternal glory that you will not be broken. The difference is how much healing do you want in this life? And I promise you, God has a lot for you. And I promise you, if you've experienced a lot, he's still got a lot more. It's okay if he's not doing anything now, but please don't mistake it. Until you meet him face to face, he's always got something more and deeper and whole that he wants to do in you. He's not done making you whole. You haven't even experienced the best of what he has for you yet. Yes, I understand life is difficult. Yes, I understand life is relentless. Yes, I understand life is abusive. Yes, I understand life tries to cripple us over and over. But at the same time, every time life hits me again, with another blow and it cripples me again even though the best that I can do is limp or crawl at least I can limp or crawl into his arms as he puts me back together I wish he just made everything go away wouldn't that be nice man that'd be great but you know even if you were perfect you'd still get wounded by life you want to know how I know because Jesus was perfect, and he still had to deal with the wound of being deserted by his closest friends. Because Jesus was perfect, and he still had to deal with the feeling of not wanting to do what the Father asked him to do. Because Jesus was perfect, and he still had to feel what it was to be mocked and to be cursed and to be accused of things that weren't true about him and just sit there and take it. Because Jesus was perfect, and yet he still had to be wounded by life. I wish it would all just go away. I do. All I can promise you is that God is gracious and has so much he wants to do to you. Stop being concerned about what God wants to do with you. He'll get to that when he wants. He has so much he wants to do to you. He has so much he wants to let you know to make you whole. He has so much he wants to fill you with so that you can feel as though you're not going crazy, so that you can feel as though you've become whole again. I can't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. And one day I'm going to need healing. And I'm going to need you around me. Not because you're the healer, but because you're the instrument God wants to use to heal me.